0: Just like an actual toolbox, you need to have a variety of financial tools at your disposal so your retirement portfolio can handle any situation that comes your way. Scott Searles is a certified wealth strategist and the CEO of Skybox Asset Management. He can help you build a solid financial plan that will stand the test of time. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Hello and welcome once again to the Retirement Toolbox. Walter Storholt here with Scott Searles, Financial Advisor at Skybox Asset Management. Scott, what's going on this week? How are you, sir?
1: I am doing fantastic. Fall is here. The leaves are starting to change here in Ohio. And uh, it's my favorite time of the year.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that. And we've got a great show on the way today. And going to try and keep it from getting too awkward in here today, Scott. Okay, Because we're talking about awkward conversations on today's show absolutely you know what you
1: know as we'll learn today a little awkwardness is
0: okay that's right that's right don't worry don't tune away it's not the birds and the bees that we're talking about on today's show (laughs) but rather some awkward financial conversations that you may need to have with a loved one or that you may need to have directly with a financial advisor and we'll talk about why it's so important to address some of these situations and have these awkward conversations As uncomfortable as they may make us from time to time to have these, they need to be talked about and they need to be discussed. We're going to tell you why on today's show. We also have a great question when we open the mailbag up later on today from Annie. She's worrying about some 401k investments, company stock, those kinds of things. So we'll get her question to that later on in today's show as well. But let's dive into that conversation, Scott, about awkward conversations. And I think when you work with a financial advisor, you should kind of realize you're signing up to have some uncomfortable conversations because that's a big part of your job, right? Making sure that people are addressing the things that they otherwise might not address on their own.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes being a financial advisor is a little bit like being a therapist too because you have to deal with things and work with people and help them work through some of these awkward Difficult conversations that are going to be so important for them for their retirement for their loved ones well being and for their kids and you need to address these things and and help people work through it and once it's all said and done everybody's glad that you know we got these things taken care of and handled.
0: Well, it's really important to make sure you're talking about these things. And if you're always looking for red flags here on the show, you know, I always kind of throw those out. Hey, this would be a red flag if your advisor isn't pushing you or addressing these kinds of issues and having you talk about these kinds of things. That'd be a red flag that maybe you're not truly getting comprehensive planning. It means that there are some stones that have been left unturned in your financial plan. So let's uncover those today. All right, first awkward conversation to have, Scott, is how does the death of the first spouse affect the financial plan? Nobody likes to talk about this kind of thing. I know it's a struggle when my wife and I try to discuss these things. She's more of a stick your head in the sand kind of person. I'm very, you know, more blunt and let's address it and have a plan for it right up front. And so it's a difficult thing to navigate uh, from time to time.
1: Well, this is probably one of the more difficult ones, but it's probably the most important one because when one of the spouses passes away, Obviously, everything changes, not only from a you know, relationship and emotional and a family standpoint, but from a financial standpoint, because maybe that the spouse that passed away may have had a pension, and we need to have a conversation on what options they had selected with their pension if they had not worked with an advisor to do that previously, because maybe that pension doesn't continue on. Maybe it does. Maybe it's at a reduced amount. We need to make sure that the spouse that that survives has enough money to be able to live because maybe there's some life insurance that's needed there to make sure that there is enough money to help supplement Social Security and uh, make sure that they're going to be comfortable. And then an estate planning aspect, too. Beneficiaries need to be changed. We need to, you know, if we're working with trusts, we need to get those types of things handled and taken care of, too. So... Besides the lifestyle and the emotional change, that is probably the biggest one is that surviving spouse, you need to feel comfortable that they're going to be able to continue to survive in retirement and have the money they need to live a comfortable life.
0: It's a great point, Scott. So that's one off the list, that's the most important one that should be discussed. But they get into more nuanced discussions as well than just the you know first spouse passes away, now what do we do? There's what happens if it doesn't happen? Uh, what if there isn't the passing away of the first spouse, but instead a long-term or nursing home care type need pops up and addressing what happens there? That's a, a bone of contention <laughs> I know for a lot of retirees and the closer that that possibility gets in someone's life, the tougher it gets to talk about it in many ways.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've been doing this for 20 something odd years, and I have noticed throughout the last few years, maybe the last five years, people are much more open to talking about the nursing home. And I think what they've seen is they've started to see their parents go through this and they've experienced it firsthand where you know father had been in their 80s and spent four years in a nursing home and they saw how it affected them financially so i think because you know everybody's starting to experience this more and more and more it's actually became a little bit easier for people to deal with and you know so i have a lot of people that come here to my office now and that's one of the first thing that they want to talk about i had a story of a client that came in and you know, he was thoroughly convinced that he was never going to go into a nursing home, that, you know, he was going to just stay at home and either his wife would take care of him, which which she was fully on board, or if something happened to her that, that their kids would be able to take care of him and he didn't want to plan or, or deal with a nursing home at all. So time went on and we've had meeting after meeting and, and working with them for years and then finally he had said that They had a conversation with their kids, and their kids were like, you know what? It may not be as easy as you think it's going to be for us to be able to do this. I mean, they have their own lives, they have their own families, and if mom or dad gets sick, you know, they can't necessarily drop everything and take care of of mom or dad at home. So that was kind of an eye-opener for him. And we started to look at some plans and some different scenarios and how we can help protect a lot of their assets that they've worked their whole life to save. Everybody has a good intention when it comes to, to stuff like that. But a lot of the times talking as a family, getting everybody involved really gives a sense of what everybody's getting into because it, it is a lot more than, you know, every good intention individual says, oh yeah, I'll take care of mom or dad or the, survive, the spouse say, well, yeah, well, I'll take care of my home. But it also, there reaches a point where maybe they are not able to. You know, maybe they they can't, you know, the wife can't lift the husband. He can't get in and out of bed or, or, you know. So, I mean, it's a reality and something that needs to be addressed.
0: Intentions don't always match ability. Exactly. Yeah good way to uh, kind of have that conversation and so it needs to spark part of the plan right if those things are possibilities then it may need to change your plan and this is the kind of thing that can also change over time as well maybe a plan of okay well if there is for some reason an early nursing home need while Mm -hmm. the surviving spouse is still capable well, then the plan maybe goes in one direction, but it needs to be flexible enough to where, like you said, if all of a sudden the other spouse is uh, incapacitated or just doesn't have the strength or the energy or the ability to then uh, you know, administer that need, you need a plan that's flexible enough to be able to have kind of a backup plan, a plan B and a plan C in case the earlier ideas and plans don't work out. So just keep those things in mind. I think you you right. know it doesn't always have to be about health and and death. I think to still be a awkward conversation. Sometimes people have their hearts set on a retirement date. I think my mom has uh, gotten to this point. Scott, she's kind of pretty much penciled that date in now, and it's it's starting to get penned in. And if she had a conversation about needing to work longer than she'd planned, that'd be almost a non-starter, right? That that'd be that'd be an awkward conversation mm-hmm. to start having with her, but. Sometimes some couples or some individuals need to have that that talk. It might be beneficial for them long-term.
1: Yeah, and you know, the big key here to avoid this type of awkward situation is planning and planning earlier. If you start to plan and you start to look at what your cash flow will look like, you're going to know exactly when you're capable of retiring years and years in advance. So you won't get to that point where you're like, hey, I'm gonna retire here, and then you go and meet with a financial advisor a couple months before, and they're like, I'm sorry, but I don't see how we can make this happen. Then that's when the awkward conversation comes into play. But if you had planned and prepared ahead of time, you, you would know, hey, I'm gonna be able to retire at 62, or I have to work to age 65, you would not be setting yourself up for that letdown.
0: Yeah, that's another great point, and I think that's why we've got to have these awkward conversations. just like this one as Well, Scott, do our children understand our estate and legacy plan and how they fed into it if at all? A lot of families don't like to share their financial situations sort of across the generations like that. Others want people to you know in the family to be along the way every step of the process. It can be tricky to navigate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I've made this a key focus in my practice and working with my clients that we start to address how we're working with the kids. And a lot of the times family meetings are a great idea where we can get together, you can bring in the kids and we can kind of go through everything, how mom and dad has everything laid out. With my clients, too, a lot of the times we we have a lot of capabilities here in our office to do, you know, Internet meetings and Zoom meetings. So we'll have like three or four of the kids, you know, all around the country, all on the computer, and we're all looking at each other. And then we start to go through mom and dad's plans so they know what to expect. But where it becomes awkward is when mom or dad does not want to share any information with the kids. They don't want them to know at all what they have. And, and I get that. But at some point the kids are gonna know and you don't wanna have them blindsided by not having everything organized, not having a point of contact. At least somebody, most of the time with all my clients, it's me, I'm the point of contact where something happens. It's like you give Scott a call, I've got copies of trusts and tax returns and wills and all that stuff on our online portal for our clients. You know, as well as obviously their financial plan. And I know where all, all their assets are and, and what their plans and their wishes were. And it makes it much, much easier to have all that stuff organized ahead of time. And if you can do a family meeting all that much better Then everybody's on the same page and there's no surprises.
0: Yeah, family meeting, important to have and helpful to have a financial advisor or uh, you said the therapist role. So you'll be a a, a visor. Is that a a theravisor? There we go, (laughs) theravisor. Well, Walter Uh, here,
1: let me tell you this story. I had a years and years ago, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, I had a client of mine, great guy. He would just, this was the type of client, he would just come into my office Help himself, go get a cup of coffee. If I was on the phone or meeting with somebody, just wait in the lobby until I was done. It'd just come in and, and chat with me. And he was a great guy. Well, he passed away and he was divorced, but he uh, had a girlfriend. And he did all this estate planning and stuff, and and I knew what was going on, but he left one of the accounts to his girlfriend so that she would be taken care of, you know, and she's super sweet and she's still a client of mine today, but the kids had no clue. So when they come in after dad had passed away, I, we're in my conference room and and you know we're going through everything and how everything's laid out and they were visibly upset and one of them was crying in my office and uh, it was a big mess. So really, having those difficult, awkward conversations avoids those types of issues.
0: Yeah, always good to avoid those things and uh, thanks for sharing that with us, Scott. Glad to uh, hear that sometimes though, getting the conversation flowing can lead to successful conclusions. Maybe one more example here of an awkward conversation. How we separate from an advisor who we like as a person but now realize isn't a good fit for us or maybe never was. Is that a conversation you've had to have with folks before that come into the office of, you know, hey, they're maybe wondering, are we still working with the right advisor? Should we possibly change our approach?
1: You know, I have that conversation with almost every new client that comes in my office and everybody wants to work with someone's nice. I like to think I'm nice and people like to work with me, but you know, they have to have the capabilities to get you to where you you need to go. So when I have people that come into my office and they're already working with an existing advisor, I tell them, I said, Hey, go back to your guy you know, ask them if he's capable of doing this and if he's capable of doing it in a way in which you feel comfortable that he's going to get you to where you need to go. Great. You know, continue to go back and work with that guy because I'd rather have you in a spot where you, you feel much more comfortable. But if that guy cannot handle that situation for you, even though he's a nice guy, then you have a reason to say, you know what, Walter, you know, you're a great guy. But, you know, I really feel I need to have this done. And, and so I'm, I'm going to look for someone else that will work with me in this. Because, you know, advisors, they have varying levels of knowledge. They have different specializations, kind of like doctors. Me, I, the majority of what I do is I work with the pre-retiree and the retiree market. And that's where the majority of my clients are. They're getting ready to retire. They've just retired or they've been 10, 15 years in retirement. You know, some other advisors they work with, you know, doing education planning or working in the accumulation, or they focus on insurance or, you know, different things like that. So they may not necessarily have that knowledge and the skills to be able to help you. So even though, you know, that advisor is a great person and you enjoy sitting in there and talking to them, ultimately your financial future is the most important thing that you need to get taken care of.
0: Always so helpful to get this kind of guidance and make sure that you're having these awkward conversations with your advisor. If you're not, maybe you aren't working with the right advisor. Once again, could be a little bit of a red flag. These should be important parts of the planning process. If it's not been a part of your planning process so far to have these conversations, maybe reach out to Scott, have a talk a little bit about what you need to do to improve your situation going forward. You can get in touch by giving a call to 888 742-0111 that's 888-742-0111 you can also check out talktoscott.com to schedule a free consultation online again just go to talktoscott.com and schedule right from your smartphone or computer a time to meet and chat with Scott at his office in Strongsville, serving you throughout the greater Cleveland area and in the Bradenton, Florida area as well. And uh, it's a great opportunity to have a conversation about what's going on in your financial life, what needs to improve from a portfolio and a planning standpoint. Scott, thanks for the guidance and the help walking us through those awkward conversations. That wasn't so bad after all.
1: No, I think we got through it um, and uh, pretty easily.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Time to get to know you a little bit better on today's show, Scott. It's getting to know you time. Well, getting to know you is the time where we throw random questions at Scott each episode to get to know his personality a little bit better. And my question for you uh, this episode, Scott, is what TV shows, if any, are you uh, into right now? What sort of the hot show in your world?
1: Well, believe it or not, Walter, I don't have a whole lot of time to watch TV. Oh, but, come uh, on! You
0: don't do a whole lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't do much. But <laughs> when I do, my wife and I—we've been watching that Chernobyl show on on HBO, that little mini series. Yes, event.
0: that's and, what I was going to pick. I mean, we oh. we have finished it, and but I would say that's the most recent thing we really got into. Yeah,
1: that was. I mean, we're not done yet. We're only—I think we're on three or something. But it is. It's outstanding. It's blowing my mind. I can't believe how all that stuff went down and it's just crazy that that's a really good show that we've been uh, enjoying watching. And then when I get a little Scott by myself, I want to watch something that there's a show I, I've been watching for years and the new episodes just came out. It's produced by the BBC. It's called Peaky Blinders. And they have it on Netflix
0: yeah I've I have had people tell me to get into that and I've just I haven't clicked the play button on it before but it's always been one that I've considered watching
1: yeah it's about an Irish family that is in Birmingham England they're basically like mobsters it takes place in the 1920s it's an outstanding show it's really neat and I I enjoy it and like I said I think this is season four Five
0: maybe? It's so I mean while. there's a lot yeah. that you
1: can binge watch on there but outstanding show so that that's what I'm into.
0: Yeah I think the, the Chernobyl one was what I was going to say and it's amazing when you know how a story goes and it still captivates you that much like to know the ending right? I mean you know what happens mm-hmm. in Chernobyl but I'm on the edge of my seat watching those episodes like I can feel my blood pressure rising and like the stress of like you know, the situation that those folks go through and that they're in the storytelling is well done. The acting is great. It's a, it was a real, that was one of the best shows I've seen in a, quite a while. So. It's, and and uh, it's well de- definitely like, worth don't it. go
1: in that room. What are you doing? Oh, come on.
0: Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't oh, you don't, know don't, that's don't, going don't, uh, to kill without you? any spoilers here. Don't, don't pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't throw it around like a football. What are you doing? <laughs> too funny unfortunately it's uh hbo show so i know a lot of people don't have hbo but if you have the ability to like turn on hbo watch the series and then you can turn it back off you know after a month or two it'd be worth doing because it's a great show
1: it is worth it absolutely
0: there you go getting to know scott Searles a little bit better on today's show now it's time to get to know you better it's time for the mailbag we want to hear from you And we get to know you better by answering your questions on the mailbag. And today's question, we turn to Annie. And it's a pretty short and sweet question for you here, Scott, but I don't know if the answer is short and sweet. Annie says, most of my 401k is invested in company stock. Is that bad?
1: Well, Annie, I'm glad that you asked this question. And I'm sure a lot of people listening right now are like, oh, no, no, no. And that's exactly right. You do not want to have all your eggs in one basket we've all heard that since we were little kids and you know one company comes to mind is enron right how many people worked there and lost everything because that company actually encouraged their employees to buy their company stock and people were doing that. But certainly you wanna have yourself diversified. And I'm not saying don't have money in your company stock. It's good to be a team player and certainly you believe in your company. It's okay to allocate a percentage of that 401k to that company stock, but you wanna have it diversified because no matter how much you believe in a a company, you never know what's gonna happen. Crazy things happen and you, know, you don't want to get in a situation where all of a sudden all of your retirement savings is dramatically reduced because of having all your eggs in one place. So diversify, have some stocks, some bonds and have a little bit of uh, company stocks in there, fine. And, Annie, if you want to hop online, schedule a 15-minute phone call with me at talktoscott.com, I'll be more than happy to kind of walk you through some things that you should be looking at in your particular
0: case. It's a great question, Annie, and uh, company stock isn't a bad thing, but when you kind of mix that together with, you know, all or most of my investments are in company stock well now the the scales are tipped in a little bit different direction there so that's another one of those little red flags we look for in the financial world where there's an easy improvement to make to a financial plan and uh, you certainly kind of hit the nail on the head with that question thanks for submitting that one to us if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on our show you can do that by going to skyboxasset.com. That's skyboxasset.com. We'll put a link in the description of today's show where you can go to submit questions and check out more episodes of the podcast. And again, you can schedule that time to meet with Scott by going to talktoscott.com. Schedule from your smartphone or computer at talktoscott.com or by calling 888-742-0111. Scott, thanks for another great episode. Enjoy the conversation and we'll do it again next time around. Absolutely, Walter. Can't wait. Go Browns. There you go. Enjoy that fall weather while, uh, while it lasts until we get to complaining about the winter. So uh, get out That's there right. and enjoy some fires outdoors and uh, have a good time. We'll talk to you on the next edition of the Retirement Toolbox. For Scott Searles, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for listening.